Hello everyone and welcome back to yet another episode of Wild, Messy, Infinite Love with yours truly. Um, wow, um, it's been three weeks since I've actually been on the podcast. It's been three weeks since I've actually recorded something. Um, part of that is just because it has been bananas crazy um, for me right now because you know, as I told you, me and my wife took a trip to Turkey, and then um, I was also sort of amping myself up to do some new projects with the podcast, um, which I am really excited to bring to you. Um, so um, this week we're talking about um, legacy, and you know, I'm sure you saw the episode title, but the episode title this week is called What is a Legacy, um, which is borrowing from the ever-popular musical, let me mute my computer real quick, um, the ever-popular musical Hamilton. Um, So we're going to be talking about that because I brought a lot of different reflections with me from my time in Turkey, from my time going around these ancient Roman ruins. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that, but I'm also really excited to bring you some podcasts here in the near future. Um, Be sure to tune in next week. I got to interview an absolutely wonderful person doing absolutely wonderful work in the world, and I'm so excited to bring that to you. That's really what I want this podcast to be. I don't want it to just be me talking to you about my own reflections and musings. I'd like to think that I have some good things to say, but I know I'm not the only person in the world. Um, So I'm really, really excited to um, also give you some really great podcasts up here in the future with some different interviews with some different wonderful, wonderful women. Um, And hopefully in the future, those sorts of interviews will continue to come at you. Um, But for now, let's talk about what a legacy is. Um, So yeah, just sit down, relax, grab a cup of coffee. It's pretty early in the morning right now. It's like, I don't know, 8.20 in the morning, um, Eastern Standard Time. So I'm sort of like in this mellow mood. I have my coffee. I have my water. So let's just sit, relax, and let's talk about it. So, um, as I was saying before, I recently spent a week traveling in Turkey. We went to Istanbul, we went to Antalya, we went to, sorry my computer is giving me a whole bunch of random messages right now. Um, Yeah, we went to Antalya, we went to Pamukkale, we went to Izmir, um, and we also went to the archaeological sites of all the seven different churches mentioned in Revelation. So if you're not familiar with the book of Revelation, which is a complex book in and of itself, there's a section at the beginning where letters are written to seven churches in Asia Minor. And all of those seven churches were big major cities, or maybe not quite so major cities, within the Roman Empire and all of them 
appeared to have had some sort of Christian community which gathered there. Gathered there. Um, so we were going around to these different um, historical sites. So we saw a lot of ancient Roman and Greek ruins, um, which, you know, for me is always somewhat, um, how should I say this? It's always somewhat um, profound. It's always um, impactful, you know, coming from America where our history really, compared to the rest of the world, our history really is not all that ancient, um, which is sad because there was a, a group of people living in vitality, um, living in communion with nature before European settlers got here and they just sort of wiped them off the planet. So like they just like wiped all this history off the off the face of the planet and then they decided to start their own history but that history only goes back 200 years or so um so i mean like when compared to going over to europe or going over to the middle east and seeing these ruins and these historical sites that have been there for thousands and thousands and thousands of years that's something that you don't normally get in America. So it's always sort of this profound feeling of like, oh, wow, there is something bigger going on here. There is something much deeper coursing through this planet. There's, you know, this has been going on for centuries and centuries and centuries. And I'm just this tiny little blip on the timeline of history, if you want to put those terms. Um, and whenever I come in contact with these ancient ruins, I'm always left with this question of what am I leaving behind? Because, you know, like I'm standing in the midst of these stone buildings that have been around for centuries. Um, you know, what what is the legacy that I'm leaving behind? Because I'm standing in the legacy of these ancient Roman ruins. I mean... While I might not myself be a Roman citizen, I still live within the legacy of what the Roman civilization and what the Roman Empire brought to the planet, brought to the world. Um, so when I stand in the midst of those historical sites, in the midst of these ruins of this once really lavish, really big empire, you know, I'm... I'm confronted with the question of what am I leaving behind? What is my community? What is my country? What is, you know, like, what are all these things that I'm a part of? What are they leaving behind on this planet? Um, and that really brings me to um, this tension that I think we all sort of live in. Um, and the te that tension is the tension between living in our present moment, but also living with future generations in mind. Um, so the way that l looks is like, so we've got, and I'm, I'm a little hesitant with just talking about life in terms of like this timeline of like point A to point B, because I don't personally believe that life is just you know, you need to start from point A and then you get to point B and then you get to point C and then you get to point D and then you die and then you, you know, whatever else happens. Um, but 
within that like circular reality that we all live in within that like infinite reality we all live in we live in a present moment but then our actions and what we do stretch on into eternity so like the present is where we come into contact with the divine which is something that i've talked about already on this podcast and which c.s lewis talks at length about in his book um the screw tape letters but you know, this idea that the present is where we come into contact with the divine, where we come into con- contact with the flow, with spirit, with other people, with ourselves, with the cosmos and the world. We come into contact with that here in this moment where we are now. And when we come into contact with that source or with that spirit or with God or with that flow or with other people or with the cosmos or even with our true selves, that's where transformation happens. Um, and that growth and that transformation branches out and it bears fruit, which is then consumed and experienced by others. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, like when we're transformed, other people see it. Um, you know, when we're transformed to do the work that we were meant to do, that work impacts other people. And that's not necessarily a new concept for this podcast either. You know, I've talked about that in a couple of the other podcasts. I seem to talk about this a lot. Um, but you know, what we do, it's almost like we're dropping a rock into a pond and then the ripples just kind of go out and they impact and shake and move other people into new directions. Um, So even though the future may not be the focal point because the present moment is where we find God, the present moment is where we can actually do something. The present moment is, you know, where we are and what we're living in. The future is nonetheless something that we personally affect and change. We change the course of future based on what we do now and this tension between living in the present and also keeping a focus on what the you know what this does for future generations really asks the question of how do i impact the future by being in this moment and when i think about this i think about you know two different aspects of our human life um and what I mean by that is that the present, this present moment, um, when we're entering into that flow is guided by our being and our actions. Um, so our being and our actions scream eternal. Um, and you know, we're going to look at this in a couple different ways. So like our being like who we are, the work that we're supposed to do, you know, like entering into that flow of our true selves, all that kind of stuff that screams eternal because when we're entering into our true selves, who we are supposed to be, when we're entering into those relationships that reveal who we're supposed to be and who others are supposed to be, that kind of stuff is absolutely eternal. You know, like I've talked about, um, on the, Uh, Maybe it's time to buy a puppy episode uh, about how 
those relationships that we form continue to go with us into eternity. That's sort of this idea of our being screaming eternal because our being is wrapped up in who we are. It's wrapped up in our relationships with other people. It's wrapped up in being present with other people. This is um, sort of the idea of, you know, sitting Shiva with someone who's mourning, just sitting in silent presence with someone. This is... Um, you know, celebrating with someone who has just gotten a promotion at their work and just being present in that joy and in that sorrow and in every other aspect of what it means to be human. Um, That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about, you know, like our being screams eternal uh, because our being is what places us within those moments of relationship with other people, with ourselves, and with the world. I mean, this this doesn't just a communal act either. I mean, this is this is the act of being intimate with your true self and realizing who you are as a person. You know, I've talked about my experience during my senior year of college where I felt like my whole world was falling apart and I came into contact with my true self in that moment. And that moment continues to go with me wherever I go. Um, The same can be said about our relationship with the planet and the cosmos. Um, You know, like having those experiences of going out into nature and being shaped by just being present in the moment. Um, you know, for me, just sitting sitting on a beach, letting the water lap up over my feet, that's one of those moments where I'm just in it with creation, with the cosmos. And that's something that impacts me. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about our being screams eternal. It's being present with and in the moment that we are in, uh, being present in the emotions, being present in the feelings, being present in, um, you know, that kind of stuff. But then our actions are also things that scream eternal. And, um, one of the things that I would point out is that especially in terms of our actions, but also with our being, how we are present with our being, how we're present with our relationships. These can scream eternally in very positive and good ways, but they can also scream eternal in negative ways as well. Um, So one particular example that I have is um, the, the Reformation period of Europe in the 1500s. you know, it was this huge movement that was sparked by the actions of a few individuals. Um, and many of us continue to live in the, this legacy of the Reformation, this split between Protestantism and Catholicism. Um, so, you know, some of the good benefits um, from this Protestant Reformation is it sparked more theological discussion. It sparked people taking more interest. It sparked people... Um, having the ability to encounter the divine on a much more personal or intimate level. Um, it was a movement that was, um, trying to stand against the corruption of, um, the papacy and sort of all the, all the, um, 
all the reinterpreting of theology that they did that was focused on power and money and, you know, like all this kind of stuff. So there were very good aspects of the Reformation, but there were also not so great aspects that the Reformation continues to um, bring forward. So because of that split between Protestantism and Catholicism, there was a lot of animosity between the two, and there were even wars fought over this. How many people have died because of the um, movement that was sparked by people like Martin Luther or John Calvin? Um, there were religious wars fought over um, you know, whether you were Protestant or Catholic. Um, there was exploitation of this difference between Protestantism and Catholicism for power grabbing. Um, you know, there were, um, countless colonial empires who claimed Christianity as the reason they were going and, um, and, you know, claiming these lands and oppressing the indigenous peoples and enslaving indigenous peoples and, being unjust and doing all this awful kind of stuff. Um, and part of this was because of the Reformation and the way in which Protestantism for a while was intimately tied as with state religion. And Catholicism was part of that too, um, where the, the rulers of the state were seen as sort of um, this right Christian person who is able to do things in the name of God, like go and create these colonial empires that were pretty much firmly done so that the empire could grow, so that the money coffers could grow, so that power and influence could grow, all this kind of stuff that gets wrapped into it. So even though there were good aspects to the legacy of the Protestant Reformation, we also very much live in the negative aspects of that legacy as well. Um, but beyond that, um, you know, the actions that we take in this moment so the actions that we take can either be positive or negative. They can leave behind these legacies. But these um, actions also don't need to be on such a broad, wide scale as something like the Protestant Reformation. Because I think that's one thing that all of us feel from time to time is, you know, like, can I really make a difference? The sort of overwhelming nature of our global community and thinking can I actually spark some sort of global movement? And we get into our minds that in order to make a difference, we have to do some sort of global movement. We have to be as big as the Protestant Reformation. We need to be as well-known as the civil rights movement. We have to be as impassioned as Gandhi was, you know, like all this kind of stuff we get into our heads that like we need to make this big thing. But what's really interesting is oftentimes those big things, those big movements start from individuals who are doing the small things. Um, and those small things grow and they grow and they grow and they grow and they snowball into this giant movement. Um, so, you know, this, these actions that scream eternal, they don't need to be this 
big hairball like the Protestant Reformation. They can be as simple as an as impassioned as birthing new things into existence, participating in who we are as people and communities, participating in creativity. Um, you know, for me, creating is writing. It's doing this podcast. Um, it's thinking about theology and thinking about how that correlates or vocabularizes our human experience. Um, for others, creating is finding form, finding the form of mathematical equations. Um, it's creating and building space for relationships to flourish. Um, you know, and creating is something that can be an inspiration for future generations. You know, these theories of geometry and algebra and scientific advancement, those didn't just um, happen out of nowhere. I mean, the people who came up with these theories were working off of the shoulders of people who went before them. And, you know, even today, I'm doing this podcast on an Apple computer. You know, like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, they didn't exist in vacuums. They created this new scientific advancement based off of what came before them. Um, and the creation of the form and structure of mathematics and scientific exploration, that's absolutely a creative way in which we participate in the world. Um, you know, the impact of the quote-unquote classics like The Great Gatsby or Lord Byron's poetry or the Vedic texts or the Bible, and you know, like all these different... Um, classic literatures and spiritual books and, you know, like all this kind of stuff, they continue to work on us. Um, you know, relationships, what, like we talked about before, they impact us so deeply. Uh, you know, like I know that there are plenty of times in the day where I do stuff and my wife looks at me and she's like, I saw your dad in that, or I saw your mom in that man. Like, even though I don't consciously recognize it, my relationships with people impact me deeply. One like really silly um, example that I have is in college, I did an internship um, where I was working as a youth intern at this um, Presbyterian church over the summer. And the youth director who was my supervisor for the time, he started pretty much every sentence by saying, so. And at first that was jarring to me. And at first I was like, oh, that's kind of weird that he starts every sentence. So like it was something that stuck out to me. But by, by the end of the summer, I spent so much time with him that I was starting to begin sentences by saying, so. Um, or another example, my wife's grandma She'll say, um, she'll be like talking about a sentence and she'll just end it by saying, you know, and whatever, um, which is, you know, just her way of talking. But I've noticed that even since I've become married to my wife and entered into um, her extended family, I've started saying, you know, whatever. Like, that's how I have started to end some of my sentences is like I go on this list and then end it by saying, you know, like, whatever. Oh, so, you know, these sorts of things work on us with sometimes without us even realizing it. Um, but that's what I'm talking about when I say like our actions, what we do, who we are matters because it does scream eternal. 
Um, I mean, for crying out loud, it can be as simple as holding a door open for someone coming into the bank with you. I mean, like, think about how a kind word or deed impacts your day. Um, you know, think about how how much you get excited about your day when you have someone come up to you and say an encouraging word. Um, you know, like, this is the reason people work out at the beginning of their day, even if it means getting up at the butt crack of dawn in order to get to the gym before they have to go to work because that whole like releasing of endorphins and the hormones and, you know, like beginning the day with productivity that bolsters their confidence. It bolsters their mood. Um, and that's just a, for me, it's not a simple action, but for some people that's a simple action of just getting up an hour earlier. Um, you know, but on the flip side, um, frustrating moments, a moment where someone puts you down a moment where, um, you get anxious because of an upcoming deadline, you know, like that kind of stuff influences us as well. Influences us as us. Um, but yeah, that influences us as well. And, you know, like that kind of stuff can also ruin a day. Um, you know, one of the things that Rob Bell talks about on his podcast is, um, this is in a conversation that he was having with Richard Rohr, but he was, they were talking about how we latch on to those negative experiences that we have and how that can impact us. And Rod Bell was talking about how he will check his email and he'll get 99 emails of affirmation, 99 emails of encouragement, but he'll get that one email that kind of needles at him and puts him off and says, well, I don't think you should have done it this way or, you know, whatever the email says. And that's the email that he latches onto. And that's the email that he thinks about for the rest of the day. So even these simple actions of affirmation and encouragement or the absence of encouragement and affirmation, that stuff works on us, even if it's on the small scale of a day. Um, and I think... I think that's ultimately what we have to live for, um, which is sort of a pretty stoic idea. But living in the moment also means living for the day that we're in, you know, seize the day. There's a wonderful episode of Community, um, which is a show that used to be on NBC if you don't know what it is. Um, but they, they take a class where the whole point of the class is to seize the day, make the day worthwhile. And then, of course, the main character tries to cheese his way by not seizing the day. He's just trying to get an A. Um, and the professor sees straight through him. But, like, the stoic idea of living a full day, a complete day, a day without regrets. Um, when we live a full day, you know, that's something that, we, it's hard, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's hard to visualize living a full year or even a full month or even a full week. Um, oftentimes we have to take it one day at a time. So this idea of living a full day, living a day without regrets, living a day where we are completely here, um, where we aren't thinking and worrying about, well, what's coming up 
tomorrow. And that's not necessarily to say that you don't think about deadlines because sometimes we have to do stuff in advance, but um, not necessarily being so wrapped up in, well, I've got all this and this and this and this that I'm looking forward to and this stuff that I'm dreading and I really don't want to go to Ashley's um, wedding because my ex will be there and it'll be super awkward or, you know, I just need to get through this so that I can finally get on vacation and only then will I be able to relax. This idea of stoicism, stoicism says, no, be present in this day, in this moment. Because when you take it a day at a time, quickly you realize that, oh, I've lived a full week, or oh, I've lived a full month, or oh, I've lived a pretty full year. Um, And that's also not to say that you don't give yourself some grace. And that's also not to say that being present in the moment doesn't also mean taking a break once in a while. Um, You know, living a full life is not necessarily about living a life that's full of achievement where you're like, Um, A really great example that I can think of actually is um, the musical Hamilton. Um, And in this musical, Alexander Hamilton is in this endless pursuit towards achievement. Like he can't stop. He's just writing constantly. He's doing all this stuff constantly, which, you know, his work was good. His work left a resounding legacy. You know, we still have the Postal Service and the Coast Guard and... um, you know, our bank system, as whether however you feel about it, is still existing today. Um, but even in the midst of this endless pursuit towards achievement, he gets burnt out and a lot of his relationships start breaking down along the way. And you could even say that his endless striving for achievement ends up being his downfall and the reason that he dies because he can't just stop and be in the moment. He's always constantly trying to achieve, achieve, achieve for something in the future, which is the tension that we live in, right? We have to be present in the moment, but we also have to realize that what we're doing in the moment has these future implications. This is, the musical of Hamilton is this tension in play. Um, So, you know, like living a full life doesn't mean that you don't give yourself a break. Um, it doesn't mean that like you can't say, you know what, I'm really tired and I need to sleep an extra hour today. Um, but it's it's also not um, being completely carefree and saying like, oh, well, you know, today's today. I can worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. I can worry about that deadline, you know, even though it's at 1 a.m. tomorrow morning, I can wait until midnight because today is today. Like, there's a balance that we live in. Um, And there's a balance that we have to strive for um, so that we can find our best selves while also giving ourselves the grace needed to recharge and take a break. Um, And... Another way of putting this would be, you know, like the work-play balance or the work-life balance. You know, we all have work that we're doing. Um, We all have important work that we're doing. um, But we also have relationships and lives and vitality and all that kind of stuff that needs to be nurtured as well. So it's it's sort of like watering a plant. Um, 
you know, if you're working all the time and just trying to achieve, 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 you're like a plant that's not getting any water. And when a plant doesn't have any water, it withers. Um, but on the flip side, if you're just putting everything off and saying, well, you know, I just need time to relax. I'm going to take today to relax. And then that ends up being like five or six days out of your week where you're just sitting and doing nothing. You know, that's like you're getting too much water. And when a plant gets too much water, it drowns. Um, so you need to strike the balance just right. So, you know, this idea of stoicism and living a full life, when we live a full day, when we live a full life, we're participating in who we're meant to be. Um, and when we do the work that we're made to do, when we exist within the relationships around us, when we enter into this flow, so to speak, that's um, that's where the in- eternal impact is not only found, but it's also made. Um, so, you know, being present in the moment, being present in the work that we're doing, being present in your own body. So, you know, like, hey, this is too much. Um, that all takes awareness. That all takes time. And, and again, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but, you know, like it's a muscle that's trained and you slowly become aware of it. Um, but when, when we're entering into this flow, when we're being present in the moment, when we're being aware of who we are and our experience, um, you know, not only do we discover who we are and what has shaped us, we discover the relationships that have worked on us. Um, but we also discover this realization that our actions will shape the future. Um, that what we do now, the work that we do, um, the precedent that we sent, send, um, not sent, the precedent that we send and um, sort of the way in which we live and the way in which we um, hold our relationships and all this kind of stuff, it matters. It screams into eternity. Um, and that really leaves me with just a few final questions for you. You know, what is our legacy? What are we leaving behind? What actions are we taking now that will echo into eternity? Because even the smallest of actions, something as simple as holding a door open for someone can reverberate through the cosmos infinitely. What is your full day? And ultimately, I can't answer that question. I'm I'm still striving to answer that question myself. In my own context, in my own life. So what is your full day? What is your mode of being present in this moment, in your life in this moment? And what are the steps that you need to take to be present, to find yourself, to be your best self, to do the work that you need to do. Those are the questions that I leave you with this morning. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope they resound in your head and that you can find some answers. I hope I can find some answers for that matter. Anyway, I think I am rambling at this point. So I'm going to end the podcast here by simply saying peace and love, y'all.